Hello and welcome to this NLive's Open for Business podcast platform. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university, as I keep saying, with the perfect face for radio. And I host a show every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. called Open for Business. Open for Business celebrates the very best of business in Northampton and Northamptonshire and brings together business, civic, charity and indeed academic leaders to talk about the business environment, to talk about initiatives and projects, especially where, they're, where they are all working together for the good of the community. So enjoy these extended interviews on this podcast. They're now set up as a standalone for you to savour and uh, to learn from some of the movers and shakers in the county. Enjoy. Well, it's good to um, throw some light on different elements of the university that uh, maybe the general public are not too aware of. You know, you know about our teaching and our students and people like me that you know get up and do my dog and pony show. But there are lots of other very interesting parts of the university. And uh, the institutes that we have are just one area of, um, you know, most universities will have institutes as well, by the way, as research centers. But on focusing on institutes, I'm delighted to welcome today the research lead, and by his own words, the general dog's body for our Institute for Public Safety, Crime and Justice. And it's a big warm welcome to Dr. Matthew, Matt Callender. Matt, welcome to the show. Um, Institutes, yes, what, uh, tell us more about IP, gosh, IPSCJ. Sure, thank you so much, Adrian, for having me. Um, The Institute for Public Safety, Crime and Justice was launched um, in 2014 um, and it was launched originally in collaboration with Northamptonshire Police and Crime Commissioner and Northamptonshire Police and then obviously the University of Northampton. Um, As a research institute, we focus on a range of issues relating to public safety, crime and justice. Um, And uh, we are very fortunate that we get to work with a lot of clients, both in terms of within Northamptonshire, but then actually across England and Wales. And we have actually got some international collaborations as well with the work work research that we do. Um, I think in essence, what are we? We are um, a team and an organisation that aims to make a positive difference through uh, collecting evidence and being able to work with our clients to uh, make a positive difference to the service users and people coming into contact with uh, policing, crime um, and justice areas. So you have clients or is it grant funding? You know, how, how are you funded? Um, We're funded through a variety of uh, channels and so we do do the academic research where we would be uh, bidding um, and securing grants from research councils. So as an example, um, I was successful a couple of years ago with um, an economic and social research council grant, which was uh, quite a a prestigious grant to explore uh, connections and synergies with uh, Japanese uh, volunteering programs Um, and so that would would have been a grant funded project Uh, but we're also funded through uh, sort of national organizations like NHS England um, and we've also received funding in the past from the home office Um, but we also work with individual clients so for example local police and crime commissioners Uh, we also work with charities in terms of um, where there are interests that cross over to um, the areas of public safety crime and justice so it's really a variety of mechanisms through which we're we're supported in funding Mm. and your work i assume uh, eventually the idea is to change policy right if there's a better way of doing things absolutely so um we want to make an impact in a variety of ways and so 
um, obviously policy is one of the main mechanisms through which we're able to um, really demonstrate the value of the work that we're doing and be able to make evidence-based recommendations to make things better for the for the end user really for the for the members of the public who um, may or may not come into contact either as a victim or indeed a perpetrator interesting that you mentioned the nhs there so i presume there's quite a lot of overlap right because a lot of crime issues come from perhaps <clears throat> mental well-being issues or health issues of the perpetrators yeah, I think I think there's a lot of complexity. I think it's not just about. I think this is the way that most services and uh, sectors are working now in a lot more of a collaborative fashion. Um, I still think there's uh, improvements that can be made, um, and I think you know collaboration is a really important thing. Um, so, as an example, one of the main projects that we're working on right now is um, a project which is evaluating community sentence treatment requirements, um, and so to share a little bit about what they, these are. These are uh, conditions that can be added to a community order. So if an offender commits an offence and um, goes in front of the court and the offence meets the criteria for a community order, so they don't go to, hasn't, isn't serious enough to go to custody, but it's something that requires a community order to deal with the offence that they've committed. Community sentence treatment requirements look at whether there are underlying factors that have affected their offending behaviour. So whether they might be alcohol misuse, drug misuse, or indeed mental health. And so the work that I'm doing is looking at the mental health treatment requirements. So individuals who um, have perhaps lived quite chaotic lives, they've made poor choices, they've got quite low uh, or poor mental health. Um, and what this order does is it, it, it puts in place a package of support which is delivered by the local health service to address that underlying mental health need as part of their community order so that when they reach the end of the community order they're in a, a stronger place to be able to take positive steps going forwards and so it might break them out of a cycle of uh, sort of low level offences punishment low level offense punishment and then eventually through uh, a life course would, would reach a custodial sentence through repeated offenses um, and I think you know it's a really really important and exciting area of work that we're, we're involved with um, and it's something that is growing um, in terms of focus nationally and we're privileged really to be able to be supporting a range of locations across England um, with with their kind of implementation of of this program and making recommendations to improve how things are working locally whilst at the same time building an evidence base so that actually we can influence sort of national policy going forwards um, and so yeah it's a really exciting piece of work between sort of health policing ministry of justice you know, probation, you, you name it, there are a lot of people around that sort of table who are integral to the successful delivery of that programme. Well, I love the joined up thinking, though. Does it, it does it become unwieldy or is it actually, you know, uh, uh, effective collaboration then that comes out of this? I think it's a very effective collaboration. I don't think that when you look at some of these um, individuals, it does require, so there's, so collaboration is an interesting one in the sense that strategic collaboration sometimes 
um, it's very easy for organizations to put their branding on a joint document, but when it comes to the everyday practice of that joint working and collaboration, there are, there are of course teething issues and I think one of the dreaded words that we always hear is uh, information sharing or data sharing agreements and so on and you know can we share this information um and and that's one of the sort of stumbling blocks that holds back that collaborative practice but actually in my experience i found this to be a really positive thing i think professionals can learn uh from different perspectives i think you know if you specialize in one area for so long you become almost your thinking gets contained in a box and actually by being exposed to professionals in different uh different capacities and with different specialisms you actually go on a sort of journey of expanding your own thinking the way that you see the world and um i think that these these types of programs that involve joint working particularly between the health sort of professionals and more policing it brings that sharing of skills and expertise and it, ultimately what this means is, is that the person that um, they're responding to in an emergency situation receives a better product, a better treatment for and a, a, a more effective response for what's going on um, that underlies that the reason why they came into contact. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's very complicated, it's very complex, but actually I think it's um vital to actually how we deal with some of the modern day issues that are affecting society yeah no i love it as a strategist you know helping you think outside the box as you say see different perspectives um it just seems to make sense although it's very hard right because we all usually have a specific task to do you know we're up against the wall not enough time to think we're up against the cold face it really is hard to create that time and space for that, you know, lateral thinking in many ways. But it seems like, you know, the public funding is going in that direction. Um, how big is the team that you've got, Matt? Um, so right now we're we're an expanding team. So we've just got um, we've got we're, we're we're recruiting currently for a new research assistant. So that's currently live on the university website uh, for anybody who's interested. Um, so we're looking for a new uh, graduate research assistant to join the team. Um, it's got uh, in terms of core team members right now. There's myself and the, I've also got a researcher researcher who works. Um, under my supervision um, called Kath, um, she's wonderful. Um, and we're, we're going to be recruiting hopefully in the summer for a new senior researcher to bring up that core team so that we've got a core team, a nucleus if you like. But I also work with several visiting fellows. And so we've currently got four visiting fellows in the Institute um, who actually do a lot of direct consultation with, with the projects that we're working with um, and actually do work on the projects um, as part of the data collection and the design and so on um, and they all bring you know real life experience from different sectors and so one of our visiting fellows Dave Hill used to be in uh, Northamptonshire police and retired at the level of superintendent and so he brings in that real life experience of being in the police all the expertise around you know what policing looks like we've also got a visiting fellow in Ian Britton who worked in a variety of roles um not not least in the police and crime commissioner's office um and so he brings in a different perspective alongside police but not within police if that makes sense mm. um and i think actually what we end up with is a very blended team which is quite lean and efficient and it means that we're able to 
um, be attractive for clients to work with us, whether it's a small project or a large project, we put the right team and the right expertise together for a project, rather than having a sort of large unwieldy team, if you like, that you almost end up with having to try and find work for people. Actually, we bring in the right people for the projects that we work on. Um, mm. So we, 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 we work in a slightly different way. Um, but as I say, we are, we are growing as a team. Um, and, you know, it's only in the past year that we actually downsized, if that makes sense. But we're now in a position where actually we've uh, had a lot of success and we're looking to actually expand as we go forwards. Excellent, indeed. Now, the university does do a lot of police training, right? But that's very separate division to, to what you do, Matt, right? Yeah, currently it is. Yeah. So uh, criminal justice delivered the uh, policing sort of training and apprenticeship. So the degree entry route into uh, policing. And so that's slightly separate to what we're doing in the Institute right now. Um, the Institute is very much a uh, operates almost as a small business. Um, it, it relies on uh, securing external funding for us to continue to do the important work that we're doing. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's separate areas at the moment. And how did you get to be where you are? What's your career path? <laughs> quite, quite a long and varied career path. Um, so I started my research journey around 2005 when I was doing my master's um, at Coventry University. And I started all of this journey really with an interest in doing research with um, and in collaboration with children and young people. and. At that time, the antisocial behaviour legislation was just being brought in in a significant way through legislation. And what I was really interested in was starting to look at a different perspective and look at actually how do children and young people see this issue and how are they experiencing these issues? There was a significant amount of demonisation, say, in the media towards young people. And I still think that's, that exists to a degree, but actually it was a it was a really good project to kind of look at an issue through the eyes of a different group and I think some of that has stayed with me today a lot of my projects involve qualitative in-depth insights into issues that are based on experiences and viewpoints that are very difficult to understand from the outside it's only when you actually engage with people and look at actually how they're seeing things that you find meaningful experiences um, but anyway, that's where I started and I, I, I went on to do my PhD and then immediately after the PhD, I was uh, looking off to start a postdoc position in uh, what was then the Institute of Health and Wellbeing at the university, uh, where I got to do a lot of work around public health and clinical health. And so I was doing projects on dementia, diabetes, um, and I was fortunate to be involved with the uh, drafting and the uh, design of the public health strategy for Northamptonshire, which was one of the best piece of work that I did at that time. Um, but then there was an opportunity to go back to this world of public safety um, and crime uh, in the Institute of uh, Public, uh, the Institute that I now uh, lead. Um, and I, I started that journey as a senior researcher, and it's something I've just not looked back from. It's something that I find exciting. Uh, the kinds of issues that we're dealing with are very important and it's really important that we have good information to be able to make decisions from both operationally but then also strategically it's really important that we see things from different perspectives and so 
I'm quite blessed actually through having quite a varied research career actually I bring in a lot of health experience um, public safety experience um, but actually my degrees were in human geography and looking at how do people make sense of their lives how do people make sense of their own identities and actually how do the context in which they live their lives shape actually their journeys and so I've been able to kind of fuse together all of those experiences um, and it means that we've now ended up with quite a dynamic, uh, interesting and engaging institute, which is doing really cutting edge with research across many different agendas. Yeah, no, I, I find this crossover really quite interesting. And I, it's hard to do, as I mentioned before, because, you know, we get drawn into tunnel vision or funnels, don't we? But, um, uh, you know, I'm thinking as you were speaking, there's a lot that linking to business and business strategy. And uh, one of my favorite newspapers, the Financial Times and favorite journalist, Gillian Tett, she is a sociologist or an anthropologist. She studied tribes and she's, um, she was the first to see the crash in 2007, 2008, because she was looking at this, you know, leaning back and looking at the, the, the herd instinct that what was going on. And she's just in, uh, launched a new book called Anthrovision how that ability to see things from a completely unrelated perspective gives her deep insights into, you know, how the business world works or how economies work, et cetera. So do you think we should do more of that, that cross fertilization, Matt, in the university? I mean, I mean abs absolutely is what I would say. I mean, I think we are already starting to do that in many ways. Um, obviously, there's a long way to go. I think moving beyond sort of silo thinking and silo working is um both exciting but also quite daunting in many ways um i think it's it puts uh it means that they're kind of uncomfortable sometimes uh discussions that where things are seen very very differently um but i suppose one of the things that is for me the uh, motivation to do that is where we can start to find that common ground and to find those new ways of thinking that actually completely change an agenda and change the way that certain issues are looked at um, and ultimately as i say i'll go back to the 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 aims and the vision of what the institute and the organization that i lead which is actually through working with those different perspectives we're hoping that actually and we are delivering um better outcomes for people um and and for the services improving actually the the product and the efficiency in which they're working so yeah so you're working in this public good space or the social impact space right with a very clear i mean that's coming through very strong that clear focus that clear vision uh, that what you do has to be relevant and it has to change lives um, for the better. How do people find out more about the Institute or, or get in touch with you, Matt? Sure. So um, we've got um, our websites are live on the university uh, web pages, which can be accessed fairly easily. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, uh, we have got a standard email address, which is ipscj at northampton.ac.uk, uh, which is an email address which is picked up by the team um, and we check it on a daily basis. Um, we'd be interested to hear from uh, people if they want to find out more or uh, or if there are any organisations that are doing work or would like to engage with us, uh, we'd be more than happy to have a conversation. That's fantastic. So that's IPSCJ, IPSCJ, which stands for the Institute for Public Safety, Crime and Justice, IPSCJ at Northampton ac.uk um, we've been talking to dr matthew calendar who is the research lead for the institute doing some really quite remarkable work and i just yeah i hadn't realized quite how the crossover with 
health and justice, Matt. But thank you ever so much for coming on the show to give us some insights into your work. Um, keep safe, keep up the good work, and uh, perhaps come on again in a few months' time as the team's grown and you can tell us all about the progress you'll be making. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. There are plenty more here on the podcast platform. And of course, you can always listen on uh, live on Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. on NLive Radio 106.9 FM or digitally via nliveradio.com. Um, if you'd like to know more about the radio station, please do look at nliveradio.com. And um, we're always looking for support from the community and further afield. So if you'd like to support us, please go to nliveradio.com slash support us. So until next time, thank you very much again for listening.